Welcome to the Strategy Side by Launchmetrics, where we talk about strategic tips for the fashion, luxury, and cosmetics industries. Hi, Tatiana. It's great to have you join us today on the Strategy Side. As the Chief Customer Officer here at Launchmetrics, during this episode, you're going to walk us through the benefits of digitizing collection launches as PR and communication for fashion and beauty evolves in a post-COVID world. So to start it off, how are you doing today, Tat? I'm doing well, thanks. So happy to be here. Thanks for the invitation. Yes, of course. Pleasure. So to kick it off, um, let's start with our first question. According to the latest update of the McKinsey and Business of Fashion report, it is estimated that around 20% of fashion and luxury consumers will move to online channels. That said, how can brands digitize their physical assets in order to meet consumers where they are? So we've obviously been seeing a rise in digital for years now, right? New generations moving away from what we would normally consider traditional channels, TV, magazines, and the rise of social media. But what the COVID pandemic did was really push brands to make these changes urgently. If you can't get a sample out to a magazine or to a photographer, what do you do? There there really was no other option. So brands need to evaluate what digitizing the physical their physical assets means and looks like for them. And then moreover, they need to be thinking about how do I measure that asset? Right. One can argue, I send over images as an attachment, that's fine. And sure, those are quote unquote digital assets, but is that really the brand experience you want to be providing? And how do you know what happens to those assets? Who looks at them? What do they do with them? Where do they end up? And brands need to be thinking about that. By using an actual solution to create a sort of digital press room or digital showroom, you can provide that on-brand experience, but in a digital format. So whether it's for influencers to view an upcoming collection, review potential gifting options, or if it's more on the traditional side, so an online journalist or a print editor downloading images to post to their website or even eventually for print, it not only offers an easy way to browse collections digitally, but it's also much faster. They can not only have the images when they need it on demand, but they also have the information that they need as well. So they can move quickly and publish as quickly as your consumers are. Yeah, completely. I mean, you really touched on it is how these days online assets are really the only way to launch collections to not only industry professionals, but consumers. So I guess, could you walk us through the benefits? I know you kind of did already, but like the benefits of digitizing a collection launch. Sure. So firstly, it's unrealistic to think that the physical asset will ever disappear, right? We're still talking about a physical piece. It's got fit, color, wear, whether it's a shirt, bag, lipstick, you'll always need at least one sample, one representation. But what brands need to do is ensure they're maximizing their physical assets. And by that, I mean just getting more use out of them across their business, across their teams versus ordering samples for all teams, which is what a lot of brands do today. So by complementing that enhancement in process with an accessible digital version, then there's not as much of a need and reliance on the physical sample or asset. So just thought that was important to also call out as we're talking about online assets. Uh, Definitely not saying that physical is gonna disappear entirely, it's more about enhancing it. So by digitizing assets and collection launches, you have the immediate cost saving benefits by reducing the volume of samples that your brand needs, as we were just talking about. Uh, And of course, there's overall the more sustainable brand concept because you're no longer having to produce as many samples. Then you also have the benefits that it can bring to your brand value or your brand performance. So by digitizing, 
you're technically increasing the potential reach of your collection. And that can be viewed in two different ways because I do think there are different kinds of brands who, who view uh, and operate differently when it comes to their coverage and their exposure. So for brands who want increased exposure, so the brands that have the more eyes, more coverage, the better type of mindset, your assets are no longer just reaching who you can send samples to. You can share it with the masses, more medias, more geographies. And then on the flip side, for brands who are very focused on reaching specific voices, specific audiences, medias, they no longer have to prioritize among those medias, right? So a lot of times you hear brands say, okay, I have a request from Vogue Italia and LUK, and they'd have to prioritize one over another. But in this scenario where now everything is digital, you no longer have to do that. So even if you are focused on specific media, you can still cater to more and have more opportunities. And then finally, by having an actual tool or solution, it increases the overall efficiency. So your team's not losing time with the back and forth. I mentioned it a little bit earlier on, but you know, finding images somewhere internally on some server drive, uploading, sharing, troubleshooting the image size, then finding product info, sharing that over email. There's just so much time that's being wasted in that process. And there's still a way to, to make it personalized. That's something else that I really want to emphasize because I've heard many concerns many times over, uh, you know, if I upload everything online, it loses the human element. And personally, I do also appreciate that individual touch and the relationship element's always going to be important. No one's going to undermine that by any means, but you can do that still, right? You can always walk your contacts through this online press room, this online showroom, explain the collection, share favorite pieces. You know, we've all come to rely on digital meetings and events these days, and you can still make this a brand experience. But then after that, they have everything at their fingertips to write, publish, share the assets, and if really needed, even request the physical item. Yeah, I find that super interesting. I feel if I had to resume it, it would be um, doing more with less <laughs> to begin with, which is really important, of course, nowadays with, with the different budget cuts and, and restrictions that brands are facing. But you also mentioned being able to reach more people, um, which is, of course, something that's so important because it is limiting when you have only a few amount of samples um, and, of course, so many requests. Um, and then lastly, it also speaks to the, the factor of sustainability, especially nowadays with brands looking to, to respond to the demanding consumers who are looking for transparency. Um, samples collections are very expensive, and so that's, uh, that's something that's super helpful. Um, but even beyond that, when it comes to new releases, um, beyond, beyond the optimization of a single asset is the monitoring and reporting, which offers crucial information that helps brands understand not only the use, the impact, but also the opportunity for each piece. Um, could you explain a little bit more about how shifting collections online can help, can help a brand in terms of data intelligence when it comes to, you know, foreseeing or forecasting the success or popularity of a different item or collection? Yeah, absolutely. I, I've heard some brands say, you know, having a place to manage digital assets or collections is considered a, a luxury, not critical for their work. Uh, because again, they're likely still sharing assets, but more than likely in a haphazard way. And while that might be true, it's, it's also really short-sighted at the end of the day. You know, COVID has undoubtedly changed a lot of this thinking where we, where we now have to rely on digital, right? But 
Regardless, if you're managing your images, videos, and other digital assets in some sort of a manual way, so with just files, you have no idea who's looking at them, right? Who are they forwarding to? Who's downloading? Who's sharing? The list goes on and on. And if you actually have a proper place to host these assets, you have access to all of that and more. So it allows you to measure both your collections, so that's kind of what you were you were touching on, but then also your relationships, right? It's not only what style or color is getting the most views or downloads, but also who's viewing my collection, who's downloading those images, where is it going to be published? So whether you're a luxury brand sharing runway images for a collection review on Vogue, or maybe you're an athleisure brand sharing images with an influencer for a YouTube review, the data will help you understand which pieces were performing best with who. And then if you wanted to take that a step further, you could even compare and analyze which of your strategies, which of those voices, right? Influencers, media, et cetera, are using those assets to then contribute the most to your brand performance. Yeah, completely. Again, I think you're touching on some great things. First of all, the fact that I mean, this whole situation in COVID has pushed us even further into this digital transformation where before, like you mentioned, it was a luxury and now it's it's more of a need now that the teams are working more remotely in parallel across different departments. Um, so really the, the a company's success now is linked to the brand's agility or ability, pardon, to, to respond um, as the market is recovering. And I think that also um, in in terms of you mentioning being able to understand which piece works best with which voice um, in the pre-production phase, for example, you know, when you're sending out uh, the, the lookbooks after the show, if you really see that a, a product has, you know, great response, then you can perhaps produce more, if you will, samples of that one, or maybe cut sample production somewhere else. So you're not producing samples, you know, where, where it's not necessary. I think that's also something that, um, that's important for merchandising or even placing orders, um, you know, Exactly. Um, so, well, we know that fashion shows and presentations are key when it comes to drumming up press attention and generating hype um, around a new collection launch. So how can brands still achieve this in a digital world and online, for example? Because, I mean, let's be honest. Yes, we're, we're a digital company, but at the same time, we do understand the importance of, of physical assets or, or physical events, um, although amplification via, via digital is super important for this. Yeah, and it's definitely the hot topic, I would say, at the forefront of everyone's mind, given that we're obviously going into, into the fall, people are preparing right now. And, you know, brands are, are thinking, you know, do I live stream for press to consumers all at once? How do I make this more interactive? And arguably, the live stream was, was once exciting and shiny, but now for some brands, it's, it's routine. They do it all the time anyway, mm-hmm. and they're still looking for ways to get up to be different. And similar to personalizing the online press room experience, that's really what brands need to be thinking about. How do I personalize the digital event experience? They should be questioning, do I still want to have my show be exclusive just for my key buyers, key press, VIPs, or do I live stream to everyone? Did, did If I've done live streams before, did that work? What was that viewership like? Um, do I do both at different times? Because at the end of the day, maybe me knowing what key press buyers VIPs came to to that live stream was way more important than the potentially public one that everyone can see. Because again, on the data side, if it's public, you don't know who's looking at it. But if you keep it digital but private, you can still have an idea as to who attended that digital event. 
Uh, so just kind of tying back to the data is important. That's something that brands need to be considering even when it comes to events. And then how do I make it more than a live stream, right? Should I have the designer, the creative director do a welcome message, a thank you message? Should I still send out a physical invite to still have that personal touch or maybe compliment that with a gift for certain invitees? I think you're, you're absolutely right that in our, in our industry, people still crave physical a bit. And, and I think even more so now that we've all been locked away from each other for a while, people really crave that. Um, so you have to think about for your brand, maybe making a little bit of that physical investment through a gift or an invite gives that, that nostalgia, that kind of great feeling back to these key important people and voices for you. Uh, and then even backstage, right? Normally you'd have a backstage. So should you arrange for some sort of virtual backstage experience, previews, meetings, interviews? Uh, what other kind of content would be important for us? How do we utilize influencers in this as part of this digital event? And then finally, what type of follow-up do I do? So even aside from trying to customize the actual virtual event, the follow-up is completely key. You have to stay relevant. So whether it's sharing ideally some sort of online press room that we were talking about that feels authentic, feels on brand, emulates the experience of the collection and the show, then for, pre, for key press, Maybe it's sending out an invite to do a personalized collection walkthrough, a personalized press appointment. You know, overall, it needs to start with the production and digital event, but it really needs to carry through with the correct digital follow-up, just like you would if it was physical at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. And I think, I mean, you, you said it, but something that we, we discuss a lot with the press is this concept of amplification, is knowing which voices to activate when and how. Um, and of course, with the digital events, you know, there might not be people sitting front row, but you got to still think and consider which voices can contribute in amplifying the message um, to the consumer that I'm targeting. So is it influencers that are going to have the most impact? Is it journalists? Um, and, and what's the purpose? Is it media? Is it partners? Um, is it owned media? So I think that just understanding and, and being able to identify the voices which are able to to increase your brand performance are so key. And, and I think that's also why having, having the data to know who's working really um, for your brand is, is important today. Um, so that being said, and I guess it brings us to our second to the last question as we wrap this up is, according to Bain & Company, uh, Chinese shoppers will make up 46% of luxury good purchases in 2025. So that said, what global opportunities, now that we're talking about reaching global uh, consumers, can brands expect when digitizing their collections? Sure. So China is obviously a, a, another big topic, uh, particularly because they're reopening quicker than, than the Western market. It's in brands, I think, especially global brands have been considering China for, for quite some time now. So if anything, again, it's just kind of propelled that thought or, or brought a, a bigger urgency to it. Going back to my point about potential reach earlier on, by being digital, you're not constrained. You're not constrained to shipping times, issues, as you would be with physical assets or physical samples. So you have the opportunity to share beyond your traditional markets. So if you are a brand that's considering China or maybe moving up the timeline for expansion into China, it gives you an opportunity to understand the potential opportunities there are. And then once you're ready to commit to a full entry strategy and a full investment that goes along with that, you already have a solution to help you track the digital performance of those assets so you can pivot quickly. 
So back to what you were saying about understanding, you know, what voices and what strategies are working for you. Arguably, that's even more important when you're trying to enter in a new market. So if you have that information, you can pivot quickly, you can make those changes. And especially for China, where they move so quickly and they change so quickly, that measurement is absolutely critical. Yeah, I like that phrase you use is pivot. Pivot quickly. I think right now, especially with everything happening, each day is a new um, global discussion, let's say. I think pivoting quickly to respond to the consumer um, and the way the consumers are reacting to everything happening is is more key than ever. Um, well, I guess to close on, on all this is considering what you've said and, and understanding that digital transformation for many can be perhaps scary, especially in this analog world or, or you know, something that seems like quite a challenge. Um, do you mind explaining what are the first steps that brands listening um, can take when it comes to adapting their existing strategies in order to shift towards um, pushing, you know, the fashion and beauty collections online? Sure. First thing is you have to do your internal research. You know, right now, understandably so with everything going on, we're all operating very reactively and, and we have to, to an extent, right? Back on, on the point of pivoting, but especially within fashion industry, totally understand that that's the case, but you have to take the initial time to get informed before making decisions. You have to understand your processes. Where are your people wasting time? Where are you wasting money? And that's both on the physical and digital asset side. I guarantee the findings for most brands, if they actually took the time to do this exercise, would be shocking. <laughs> you know, and by doing this upfront work, then you'll understand the gaps and the losses. So that way you can cut time, you can cut costs, which again, very aware of the fact that we all are thinking about that and need to do that. And you can cut them across managing physical and digital assets, but you'll do it without sacrificing brand performance. If you're moving too quickly and cutting without understanding, those savings over time are going to carve away and undermine your brand performance and overall value. Mm -hmm. Because your teams aren't gonna have what they need to properly work with those influential voices that reach your consumer at the end of the day. So understand first, make those cuts after ensuring you have the long-term and correct solutions that are going to help and not hinder your brand performance. Fantastic. All super clear. Sign me up. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyways, thank you, Tatiana, for joining us. And thank you for everybody who's listening today. Um, have a great day and stay tuned for the next um, Strategy Side podcast. Thanks so much. Yep. Cheers. Bye. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of The Strategy Side. Make sure to tune in again to learn more quick tips on how to improve your business strategy.